0: It's time for the Victory of the Light radio show with Rob Potter.
1: Choice between love and fear. And now, your host, Rob Potter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is Rob Potter. This is kind of an auxiliary show of the Victory of Light Radio show. Uh, Due to expenses, I don't normally do videos, but I'm hoping this is doing a video that I'll be able to play um, on my website under my blog. And it's also going to go under uh, probably under the Raymond Keller section. I have many, many articles by Raymond that I hope to bring up. And for those of you who don't know Raymond, uh, he's um, a very dear friend of mine. I want to call him my uh, teacher and uh, I recognize him as a master um, uh, of uh, spiritual consciousness. And I want to tell you something that I've been learning constantly my whole life. And one of those things uh, that Semyasi said was you think you know something and then you realize you know nothing at all. And that's been true with Fred Bell, Dr. Frank Stranges, my friend Luis Mostojo-Martens, who I'm taking uh, a trip to Peru and Bolivia on September 13th. We start. If some of you are possibly able to go. You can check that on my website. But it's never been more true with my friend Raymond Keller. Um, I'm so very honored And he's come in a very important part in my life. And I just, I want to thank him. And I want to thank the knowledge that I gained from Raymond. And also from his um, contacts, I've been able to um, establish a level of contact and, and learning about our extraterrestrial neighbors and friends that I never well that I always hoped and expected would be possible and um, anyway uh, I just want you all to learn of Raymond Keller please it's very important if you were interested in um, extraterrestrials and life on other worlds and the reality of what's really taking place so for those of you who've been following, we've done a series of interviews. And um, I'm going to let Raymond kind of uh, uh, talk about whatever he wants to talk about today. And I'll ask a few questions. But, um, Raymond, thank you for coming on the show. It's really wonderful to have you here. And I i know I say it all the time, but I love you very much.
0: Oh, You're welcome. You're quite welcome, Rob. It's always a pleasure to be uh, be with you on the on the show or in person right well of course
1: um for those of you don't know raymond's written three amazing books uh, about venus uh one is called venus rising um the other is called rockets to venus and the third is called cosmic rays excellent adventure and so i wanted you all to be sure to go to my website or go to the dbs radio station and uh see the information and, and on there is raymond's email address where you can buy these three amazing books and uh you won't be disappointed with the knowledge you'll learn um so raymond uh, we've talked about many things um I'm just gonna, you know, if you want to share something, please feel free to, to just start the conversation off on anything that interests you today.
0: Well, Rob, I'm very excited about uh, your trip uh, to Peru and Bolivia, your rendezvous with, uh, uh, with Louis down there. I think it'll be a, a, an amazing trip, and I hope uh, a lot of people will, uh, will sign up. Uh, for it. I, I wish I w- would be able to go, but I have to uh, work over here. But I've been collecting some information about uh, uh, Peru and uh, uh, from my files, uh, from the the uh, uh, Flying Saucer Report and the uh, publications I used to exchange with uh, back in the day in the mid 1960s. And um, I have an article that uh, where he refers to uh, an ancient city in Peru and uh, a civilization that built their uh, built their homes and uh, and structures uh, uh, according to uh, the uh, the pattern of the bees.
1: Oh, interesting! Now, folks, I'm not sure Raymond's going to show us some images here from an article, but I, I'm not sure we're actually visually recording and I really hope we are, but, um, we'll, uh, possibly post an image of this with the radio show. Go ahead, Raymond. Uh,
0: this is an article that's, um, uh, uh, from phenomena magazine, which was, uh, published in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, this is a June, 1968, uh, edition with an article on sky gods by, uh, Dr. George George Hunt Williamson. And uh, I'm going to read one section of it uh, because it's really uh, applicable to, to your trip. Uh, he says that uh, um, he's writing about riddles of the desert, and he said that uh, our survey team covered many valleys and mountainous areas surrounding Pomatana, the lost city of a thousand roofs. Um, We discovered evidence that this pre-Inca civilization extended for many miles in this area of Peru and built strange round houses of stone with stone roofs, homes like conical beehives. Two other spiral-shaped temples of stone were located and also many new tombs and burial caves. We traveled countless time-worn Quechua Indian trails uh, following the sounds of the Andean flute and the noise of the many uh, llama bells. Since we were unable to seek our number one goal this year, we decided to concentrate on all the valleys where the uh, Pomatana culture existed in pre-Inca times. So he also speaks there about the uh, mystery of the golden sky uh, skulls um, that are city walls of great stones that are protruding from the glaciers of the highest mountain peaks and uh, many, other, many other mysteries there uh, he began to write about um, he began to write about Pomatama back in 1958 uh, with a series of articles in uh, the Flying Saucer Review that was uh, published in the, in the British Isles uh, by the BUFORA, British UFO Research Association. Uh, but he said uh, that uh, that we also believe that before a, cat- a great cataclysm, the inhabitants of Pomatana, like the other great civilized centers of South America, were in contact with the sky people or extraterrestrial visitors. After the cataclysm, a period of decadence set in, and the communication with the sky-dwellers was cut off. Uh, Therefore, uh, such outer space visitors later became known as sky gods. We believe that the Pomatana existed both before the cataclysm of several thousand years ago, and that it existed after the destruction. However, later, most of the inhabitants moved to the low valleys to escape the miserable climate, uh, of the high places but uh, you know he talks about other cultures that, uh, that emerged in pre-Inca times like the Huari Huanca and, uh, and others And uh, but it's interesting that the very earliest civilization that was in first contact with these uh, extraterrestrials had fashioned their temples uh, uh, after the manner of golden spirals and the significance of that is covered in the Venus rising books um because it's closely associated with the bees and um the planet avahar which is the true name for for venus and then um there's um hmm, it sounds like there's some kind of ruckus across the street there but uh, um it, then, uh, uh, that they're, so they had their temples fashioned after these spirals and then their homes, uh, were built according to conical beehives. So very, very interesting. And, uh, and then of course, uh, we know that insects played a very important part, uh, like the Nazca lines that are also in Peru, uh, outside of the Cusco, uh, region. That uh, Eric Von popularized in his uh, Chariots of, of the Gods, but these these landing uh, patterns were based on uh, animals and insects that were um, uh, had some significance to the uh, to the extraterrestrials.
1: So, um, well, this is all extremely interesting. Um, uh, I think J.J. Hertak said that those Animal symbols were actually uh, for extraterrestrial civilizations to know the type of life forms that are there on the planet. Did you say that? (coughs) Excuse me. These were actually landing locations. (coughs) Were these actually landing locations?
0: Um, Yes, yes. Uh, They served as uh, as airports, and these were uh, these were beacons. These were types of beacons.
1: Interesting. So um, I noticed one of them looked like a landing strip. Did they ever land in a conventional way, like an airplane? Or did they? They must have had anti-gravity mostly, right?
0: Um, yes, yes. They they had uh, uh, magnetic uh, propulsion that uh, operated within the lines of magnetic force in the Earth's atmosphere. Okay, I want you to tell us a little bit about uh George Hunt Williamson. Okay, um well George Hunt Williamson um was a contemporary of uh Georgia Damski. Um he had a master's degree in uh uh from the University of Arizona and uh he was um uh, an anthropologist and uh was the first one to really popularize the uh, theories about extraterrestrials um uh, way before von Däniken or even um uh, 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 others um he um uh he wrote a book um uh encapsulating his ideas uh called other tongues other flesh in the i think it was like 1951 and uh, he prophesied a lot of things that would happen in the uh UFO universe um not only the arrival of an uh, in increasing numbers of um, of the um, uh friendly ETs but also uh, in the in the early 1960s he prophesied um the uh Uh, increased uh, surveillance and interest on our planet by the um, uh, reptilians and greys and and some of the the others.
1: Um, Also, um, I I, I was reading some things uh, from a book, Underground Bases by Commander X, and uh, they talked about these caves that you were mentioning in South America as you know, having uh, a lot of uh, activity when the conquistors came, many of the Incas went underground. Also, in the Incan legend, they talk about Quetzalcoatl. And in this book, it says that Quetzalcoatl is actually a Venusian. Can you can you talk about uh, Quetzalcoatl in the South American um uh, story or miss down there and if he is uh, a venusian did you meet him
0: <laughs> i i didn't get a chance to meet uh, to, to meet him but uh, their calendar is based on the cycles of venus and not uh, and not the uh, uh and not the the earth or the moon uh and uh, they they have the same uh, calendar that was also used by uh uh the mayas the olmecs the toltecs and and others who came before them uh, the amerindian civilizations placed a great uh, uh emphasis on venus and uh, i was going to include a whole section on that in uh, uh in venus rising but it was um, but it was so big as it uh, uh, as it is, <laughs> so I'll have to save that for uh, for another time.
1: Well, Raymond has so many wonderful stories. I just hope he's able to get these this information, these books out. Um, so I want to go back to Quetzalcoatl. Uh, do you know is he still alive on Venus? Um, they obviously live a long time. Is he known by another name?
0: Well, there. Um, there's an excellent book um, that I could recommend um, for people to uh, learn about that by uh, Taylor Hansen. It's called *He Walked the Americas*, and um, there are a lot of uh, indications that um, that following his uh, resurrection, Jesus traveled to other areas uh, uh, on the earth, and that. Uh, uh, L Taylor Hansen looks at the legends among uh 200 Native American tribes and um uh, and and uh equates uh, some of these stories with um uh Jesus and uh and other holy figures so it's it's an it's an awesome book uh, it was published by uh, Ray Palmer's Press in Amherst Wisconsin
1: so you're Basically saying here, you didn't say it, but you kind of... So Quetzalcoatl would be the master Jesus? Um. Yes, I, bu- I believe that he was. Wow, this is wonderful, exciting news. So tell us a little bit about the legend of uh, Quetzalcoatl. I guess uh, the Christians who are waiting for the return of Jesus, which um, um, both Raymond and I folks are not really so much into the personality cult and the narrow-mindedness of of uh, any religion, um, but we recognize uh, Master Jesus Christ as a, um, a powerful incarnation. Well, since we've kind of gone from Quetzalcoatl to Jesus, um, maybe you could share with us uh, your understanding of... Um, the incarnation of Jesus the Christ on Earth and what role and mission um, he played and why uh, he came here.
0: Well, as I, under, as, uh, as I understand it, um, uh, Jesus, as well as some of the other great religious teachers, are are, uh, are avatars. They're emissaries of the. Divine that have been sent here periodically in times of uh, of great crisis and great transition to help uh, move us along. Okay, um, I
1: guess uh, uh, I wouldn't, uh I guess we go back to George Hunt Williamson, and you're we're kind of talking about South America. Um, he was uh, quite a channel as well, wasn't he? After at certain point. He became a direct voice channel of the Venusians folks, and this is a little different than some of the channeling we experience today. This is what they call, they use a tensor uh, beam, which is a, a light beam that actually um, is very accurate, cannot be intercepted, it's laser-like focus, and it works directly with a, a sensitive contactee Hello folks, Rob Potter here at The Promise Revealed on the Victor of Light radio show. wanted to remind you all my website, thepromiserevealed.com, has a free membership, and if you sign up there, we'll keep you appraised. We got some great new newsletters coming out. I have some stuff something called Castle Talks and Mountain Talks I hope to be releasing in the late fall. Also, please check out my Facebook page. It's The Robert Potter public page. My personal page is full, so I want to thank you for that. Be sure to check out the amazing things on my website, the blood purifier, the promised light watch. We've got the pyramid system with the Tesla coils, ion showers, lasers, and wonderful stuff. I will also be appearing in Los Angeles at the Conscious Life Expo in booth 204 this coming February. So enjoy, check it out. And now back to our show, who can channel directly. Uh, can you talk a little about, uh, do you know when this started for him and uh, how this uh, took place with George H. Williamson?
0: Well, um, uh, Williamson, just as a background information, as well as Adamski, George Adamski, um, were were theosophists. So they, they believe one of the prime... Uh, objects of theosophy was that uh, we work to develop the powers that are latent within us and uh, so this is a this provides an openness and a receptivity to uh, channeling uh, or receiving these kind of direct um, direct transmissions and when, when you look into the background of many many of these contactees you see that they have a, a close association with the Theosophical Society or other esoteric schools of wisdom, of ageless wisdom. So the
1: Theosophical Society was what, uh, basically uh, one of the main educational tools uh, to help the people of the earth and to lay a foundation for understanding what we would call the pleroma, or the evolution of mankind from the physical realms, and are interfacing with uh, some of the higher dimensions, including uh, even the higher dimension of the physical plane, which would be the Venusians and the Pleiadians. So um, the Theosophical Society uh, uh, talked about the Ascended Masters, and one of the primary um, teachers was... Or, the I guess the founder was Helena Petrova Lobotsky, and there are pictures of her with the Ascended Master Kutumi, Saint Germain, and El Moria. And these were Ascended Masters, and they've been guiding various organizations subtly behind the scenes. So, um, can you share with us um, how the the, I guess, interdimensionals, the Venusians, or maybe even the Pleiadians have influenced these forward thinkers in uh, influencing our understanding of the spiritual culture and the history of Europe?
0: Oh, well, uh, thank you for that question. Um, our good friend Frank Chile is the one who uh, actually introduced that photograph to uh, uh, to the world that had been uh, um, kind of sequestered for for a while until the um, the world was ready for it, uh, the the one with the ascended masters standing in back of uh, of Helena Blavatsky.
1: Oh well, that's I've seen that since the 70s. Oh
0: yeah, yes, uh, uh, Frank. Uh, uh, the next time that we have a you know, convention or something, and he's there. Uh, he he can tell you that that the background story on that uh, 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 on that photo. Um, but uh, yeah, that's really profound, and they have been interacting. Um, there's clues scattered all throughout the sacred scriptures of many uh, many of the world's religions. Uh, in, in the Christian tradition we see many references to to venus um as the morning star associated with uh with jesus the christ and uh and so these things are um these things are there for the student um uh to find um but uh, they're not um uh they're not uh, blatantly obvious. You have to you have to look for them, and also uh, uh, metaphorically to understand certain references and allusions that are made to the planet Venus. For some of these beings, that uh, they're they're they're, um, they're metahuman, and um, they can manifest, um, uh, take on a human appearance, and um, uh, manifest among us uh, at at certain times when they're needed.
1: So they act as um, emissaries of the divine messengers. Um, to uh, and unfortunately um, we have uh, we hear talk of ascended masters, and so he seems to be male. Uh, can you sh- assure our audience that there are uh, female ascended masters? And perhaps tell us why we don't uh, see or hear more um, of ascended masters uh, of females. I mean, we hear of these, you know, Quan Yin and some of uh, these various things. Maybe share why it's a male-dominated ascended master situation.
0: <laughs> well, I, you're so right, Rob. It's not that it's uh, it's not that there are more. Uh, males, that's not true. Um, but uh, from the Western culture and patriarchal point of view, that's where the emphasis uh, had, has been put, even since the the time of the apostles. For, for example, we see that uh, Mary Magdalene and some of the other women were also considered to be uh, apostles, but nobody paid any attention to them or dismissed them. And we have to go to some of the Gnostic texts um, that deal specifically uh, with some of the women in the um, in the in the Bible, the New Testament, and the Old Testament, uh, to 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 find out that they're even there. Okay. Well, this is
1: uh, interesting. We have uh, um, we do have some uh, time here, so I'm gonna um, I wanted to go into this. Uh, next subject here. Since we're talking about religions and we're talking about the females, uh, I'm going to have you uh, share some information that's going to probably shock a lot of people here at some point, but um, you recently wrote an article on the Knights Templar, and folks, this is going to go up on my site with many other articles. I'm hoping to find someone to help me with my website. I'm just horrible at technology. So I really need someone uh, who knows uh, bakery and who can help me on the website. Please reach out to me if you can. But um, this article on the Knights Templar, um, Raymond uh, talks about um, a gentleman named Ton Hauser. And uh, if you can share, we spoke privately, this is a little more in depth than the article. Uh, maybe you can share uh, this particular uh, Templar. Um, and his, uh, um, you know, because I want to go into the ascension of Jesus and um, the understanding of the importance of Venus in relationship to the Christian uh, theology and to the Knights Templar in particular. So maybe you can share with the audience now about Tan Hauser's experience and um, we can even talk about his time on Venus and what happened with the Pope.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, uh, Tannhauser was a a knight, uh, a crusader, and uh, returning from the Holy Land to his home in Germany, he passed through an alpine uh, valley, a pass, and uh, he came to um, the face of a mountain, and uh, uh, was was attracted to it by, um, by a, a, a bright shining light, and then it condensed or coalesced into the figure of uh, a beautiful woman who identified herself as Lady Venus, the queen of, uh, uh, the, the queen of an etheric realm. And uh, she invited Tannhauser to go with her and spend a year there. Uh, so he took her hand and they literally walked through this mountain. And, um, uh, that story is in, uh, the Venus rising book and, um, uh, all the, all the details of it, but, uh, she, um, she took him to a city there called Venusburg, uh, which was in.
1: Yeah. Can I just ask one question here? Um, uh let's let's bring it down out of the myth and kind of explain she walked they walked into the mountain uh was this a portal with a direct connection to Venus or was this this understanding uh did he travel in what is called a Nimbus one of the venus uh Venusian type of uh, transport devices that's interdimensional or did he just go inside the inner Earth? Uh, he called it Venusberg, but can you share a little about that? Did he really go to Venus, and if so, how?
0: Oh, oh yes. Uh, well, it was uh, it was a type of uh, portal, and uh, there are many through, throughout the Earth. Um, they uh, they do shift because the Earth's magnetic field is often shifting, and then there's a magnetic reconnection. Um, to all the planets at the polar region above uh, uh each planet so um they're all interconnected with the ma- magnetic grid that surrounds the um s- surrounds the earth uh s- so that that's true uh, that it is a portal um a kind of doorway to uh to Venus a shortcut
1: give us a little idea of when he arrived on what he called venus berg uh walking through a portal guided by lady venus the etheric queen um what do we know about his time up there
0: um well um, there's uh um some writing about Tannhauser and his uh, uh his his stay there um he doesn't uh, he he doesn't say uh, uh, too much because uh, just like uh, uh, Dante and Swedenborg and others uh, uh, when they when they went there um, people didn't believe them and gave them a hard time. In fact, that's what exactly what happened to Tannhauser uh, when he told about his encounter. Uh, he was summoned before the the Pope, who wanted to detain him and um and said that uh that he didn't believe him uh and that uh the only way he'd believe anything that he had to say is if his staff would uh, would bloom and
1: um <laughs> well actually um, they did detain him didn't they they yes
0: they they did detain him and he he did uh, he did manage to uh, escape and um uh in, right um uh, yes he 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 was in rome he was detained there and uh, the pope um his staff bloomed roses right so and so they they decided to let him go this must be of god oh so but i thought he
1: had escaped previously and then the Pope had people looking for him, and then the the staff bloomed, and he decided to call off the search.
0: Um, yes, yes. Um, uh, and the, well, the the whole story and all the intricate details are in the are are in the in my Venus Rising book. So um,
1: obviously, folks, uh, he probably may have been released and had a little help from his upstairs. Uh, friend, uh, the queen of the etheric realms of Venus at that time. So, um, here we have, uh, a Knights Templar, a devout Christian, um, uh, you know, uh, promulgating the cause a little bit in the military sense, but they were fighting actually, uh, certain elements, uh, within the church that were, uh, unholy, I think, as well. Is that correct, Raymond?
0: Yes. Yes, there was a lot of, a, a, a lot of corruption and then we see later in, the, in, uh, in, uh, Dante's writings, uh, uh, he describes a trip to, uh, Venus where, um, he describes the inhabitants as being angelic and Venus being the highest realm of, uh, uh, of the Pleroma or the celestial, uh, hierarchy
1: is that necessarily true that well, who said that Dante?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's in the third and the uh, ninth canto of Paradiso. Il Paradiso.
1: Would he, would he know that? Or was that just his experience? It was the highest, uh, Venus is a physical plane planet. And the Pleroma indicates higher dimensions. Um, and there are, of course, you know, millions of inhabited planets. Um, um, uh, Venus is obviously a, a very high uh, civilization. Or uh, uh, Could you comment on his comment that Venus is the highest? What about the grand central sun? Uh,
0: well, um, uh, yes, the grand central sun, but that would be uh, outside of our solar system, although there's a connection th- through our own sun, a gateway that goes there. Um, but uh, Dante described meeting Jesus there so um, at- l- at least to uh uh at least to us on earth it would have a supreme significance
1: excellent so that's nice that he met the ascended master Jesus there let's talk about something that we talked about the other day uh and folks because um I've had um, a lot of preconceived notions and um I, I go sailing on the ocean of discovery and Raymond brings up a furious storm and crashes my beliefs and understanding against the rocks. And um, I have to surrender to his knowledge and experience uh, and open my mind a little bit more. And one of the things that there's been um, stories about and miss and it seems to be extremely well covered up in the traditional bible and other things in regards to the life of jesus and the importance and the role of women and um there you know mary magdalene is different than mary of bethany um who um actually was a prostitute uh the sister of Lazarus, who was uh, came to a major epiphany with the presence of Jesus and uh, became a very uh, spiritual person and turned her life around. And sometimes that story is confused with Mary Magdalene. Now, I said, Raymond, uh, there's pictures of, of uh, a woman, Mary, that supposedly is pregnant in some of the churches in England and there's stories of her being transported to England, Ireland, Scotland, or the Island of crew of the cold Las Cruces off the coast of, uh, I think it's Spain or France. Um, and I said, Raymond, you know, what's the story? Is this real? Did, did Jesus have children? Did he have a wife? What is the story there? And, um, I'm going to let Raymond tell the story, folks, but um, he really uh, um, opened my eyes to something. And this is a a very important part, especially for the women now, to understand the importance of their role and their um, spiritual equality with men. Uh, So talk about the life of Jesus, and I'll start it off by saying that... um, Raymond says that Jesus was married before he began his mission, and he was married to kind of a childhood sweetheart from Bethlehem. Could you share this information? It's going to blow a lot of people's minds and probably upset the apple cart, but, you know, you've, you've claimed you've lived on Venus for two and a half months, so... You're in good company when it comes to people disbelieving you. So please uh, share with us uh, some of the Gnostic information that you have in regards to the life of Jesus as a rabbi. Um, you know, we would think if he was on his mission, they would have threatened his family. Um, and um, uh, can you please talk about um, his life and marriage to? to marry and and they had kids. Hey folks, I wanna let you know next year, August 26th through the 30th in Mount Shasta, California at Stewart Mineral Springs, I will be having a very special conference. This will be a five day conference. This conference is going to be much slower, much more detailed and a lot more information from my selected guests. Right now we have confirmed Luis Mostojo Martens, Laura Eisenhower, myself, Raymond Keller, and Frank Chili. We may be having Omnek Omnek, we're not sure yet, but this will be at Stewart Mineral Springs. We'll be taking night sky watch excursions to the mountain. We'll also be taking trips to the lake and we'll be doing some on-site meditations and some processes to bring in the light and as usual we will have wonderful messages from the masters of wisdom so keep an eye out on that on my website we'll probably be launching that in december but plan on coming to that one folks it's going to be great now back
0: to our show oh okay um well there are several um uh let's talk about his his early family life first uh, that he did have brothers and sisters and uh, some of them are are actually named uh, in the bible and um then later on uh, uh it's an accepted fact that uh, he was um he was a rabbi and that uh, he had studied uh, in Qumran with the uh with the Essenes uh, one of the uh, one of the requisites for being a rabbi is to uh, is to be married, and uh, in order to counsel people, um, as he did, and uh, the fact that people called him uh, a rabbi certainly indicates that, uh, that that he was one. People recognize him to be a spiritual leader, a teacher of a high order.
1: Can you give some evidence of the Gnostic Gospels? I mean, we have this very sanitized and redacted version of Jesus's life that's been promoted and and hidden by these patriarchal dominant forces uh, that want to manipulate and control the narrative of the master Jesus's life and distort his message. Can you please uh, share some evidences and some uh, historical references that some of the scholars who might be listening might look towards to reference some evidence of of uh, him having a wife and even children.
0: Oh, okay. Um, well, um, in 1945, in in uh, at uh, Nag Hammadi in Egypt, there were excavations that were con- conducted, um, and uh, there was the discovery of uh, of the uh, the scrolls. Many Gnostic texts and scrolls, and some of them are still even coming to uh, to light even today, um, uh, from that have been uh, kind of hidden away from the uh, the, the world. Uh, but there are uh, accounts there of um, of Mary Magdalene and her close relationship uh, to Jesus. Uh, 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 indicating uh, a spousal relationship.
1: This has been hidden, and Dr. Frank Stranges had revealed some of this and some of his work. Valiant Thor was able to give him some direct translations of some of these transcripts. Um, it would be nice uh, for this to be revealed to the public. Um, he was threatened by the Jewish authorities who control this information if he released it. Um and um this is a pretty amazing thing so there's really no references but they're hidden um
0: and, and a couple of years ago they actually found uh, they actually found uh, um an inscription on a tomb um or a, a rock um some some rocks uh, uh in jerusalem that uh, uh for Jesus uh having been married to to Mary and uh, uh, so there's um there's uh, a lot of uh, uh, indications of it but it doesn't come out and directly uh, directly say it
1: well let's talk about your knowledge um, you might have a little more insight with your contacts and experiences, can you share a little bit uh, how many kids they have? And I think you told me um, uh, some evidences of after the crucifixion of her traveling to uh, certain areas, how many kids did they have? And uh, some of this talks about the, goes into the historical reference of the Grail bloodline and the Clares. Can you
0: talk a little bit about that? oh sure um well there's an account uh by um one of the knights uh Knights Templar for civil, and uh he had travelled to um, um the uh, uh a chapel of Mary Magdalene, which is on the Isle of Cruces, which is off the coast of uh of France uh, at the at the end of the uh Eastern extension of the Pyrenees and it's interesting that um, that chapel was built over what used to be a, a temple of Venus from the d- days of the Roman Empire and at the other end of the Pyrenees on the western side um, on the border of uh, of uh, Spain and France there's a uh, uh, there's also the ruins there of another temple, uh, from Roman times of uh, d- dedicated to Venus. But anyway, when Percival entered this, um, uh, he, uh, when he entered this sanctuary, um, he was met by, um, uh, a woman, uh, uh who identified herself as, uh, it's uh, Mary Magdalene or Lady Venus, and was surrounded by uh, uh, some other women. That they were all arrayed in white, and they were um, uh, had an, an angelic appearance. And th- there's ver- various accounts of of this in uh, in uh, in different kind of lore that you could research and check out.
1: So um, these. Uh, women in white possibly could be, Louis talks of the Great White Brotherhood, the sh- they're known as the Shining Ones, and they have a very angelic or holy, sacred appearance, and they're quite often uh, uh, dressed in white. Um, or do you think these are possibly Venusians or possibly um, a Great White Brother slash sisterhood, as I like to call it, uh, members that were ministering to Mary? in her travels
0: um yes these are these are individuals that uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that we have referred to as being angelic or being angels or or higher beings uh, but in a sense they're more metahuman they they're advanced beyond uh beyond human and they come from uh uh venus and other planets uh, they're just um, more highly evolved. They're here to uh, uh, to help us and teach us, uh, carry us along the way.
1: So let's go back to um, uh, them continuing. I think you told me they went to England uh, and were actually what we now call Scotland. And um, can you talk about the bloodline and how
0: many children
1: did they have?
0: Well, we know of uh, we know of one uh, Sarah, and um, uh, it was I believe it was Joseph bavara that accompanied uh, that accompanied uh, uh, Mary Magdalene to the British Isles. And um,
1: they probably had a retinue or a contingent of of uh, I guess. Uh, maybe security or other people in their party. They didn't just travel with him, her and the child possibly, right?
0: Um, yes, they didn't travel. They didn't travel alone. And uh, there is um, there is a brotherhood out there. Um, m- many different religious traditions. Uh, for example, Zoroastrianism had the Magi in ancient Persia and uh, they continued through t- today also in the middle east come the sufis we know about rumi and his uh uh his teachings and uh, he said that at any one time here on earth there were um there were at least 4000 uh ministering servants or angels that were uh, living among us so that in in the bible we're uh, in the book of Hebrews, um, chapter eleven, verse um, uh, verse two and uh, verse two and three. It talks about always being kind to one another. For know we not that we entertain angels unawares. This is an allusion that's made in other scriptures among uh, these other uh, religions as well.
1: And it seems uh, all these religions, the Magi, and it it definitely seems to be uh, male-dominated. We're in those times, and we often hear uh, stories in the Bible that, you know, the disciples were kind of like, in certain instances, this may or not be true, but like, why are the women here? And it's not, you know, and Jesus was constantly remonstrating them. But um, Mary was... Uh, Mary Magdalene was a leader of the female apostolate core, which actually was probably like today, our spiritual retreats and the activations and the spiritual interest. Um, I almost, not quite as high as two thirds, but definitely more than half of people that are spiritually hungry, that are coming to these um, outside the box consciousness Type things are women. Um, were they uh, the leaders, uh, uh, considering women uh, equals, or were they constrained by the uh, political correctness of the time?
0: Well, um, Jesus considered them as equals, but uh, but uh, in the in the context of the Mediterranean world and the civilization that they lived in. Uh, They they weren't so regarded.
1: So um, let's talk about um, somehow you mentioned the bloodline of Claire as associated with Jesus, and you mentioned the Da Vinci Code, and you know I think it's the Rosalind Temple. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Oh, okay. Um, Well, this was uh, a. This was a chapel that was uh, uh, that was built um, by the uh, 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 nine uh, families of the the Knights uh, Knights Templar, and one of the leading uh, the leading families were the uh, uh, Sinclair Saint Clair. And um, through time, uh, people have recognized the association. Of the um, uh, of the knights uh, later with the development of the Masonic lodge, for example, you see you see various uh, Masonic uh, uh, etchings and carvings uh, in the chapel, and uh, that the uh, uh, the Sinclairs, the Saint Clair's, were the uh, 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 prominent uh, hereditary uh, grand Masters in the Masonic Lodge, so we see a definite connection there between, uh, that carries on through time.
1: When I think of the Templars, and um, you know, I'm not that great in history. I'm not a historical genius, egghead <laughs> like you, but <laughs> and I say that affectionately, folks. Raymond's just amazing. But um, the Templars is that around
0: 1200. Um, yeah, this is in the. Uh, uh, like the chapel they began it in 1140 so we were talking about yeah the 12th century
1: mm-hmm. and so Percival was a 12th century knight templar then approximately uh,
0: yes that that that's right and and there were four there were there were four crusades um as well to be taken into account co- covering this period and uh, a lot of the poets and writers of that uh, age are referred to as the troubadours. And there's a whole uh, separate set of literature that's devoted to the the troubadours. And we see that when the when the Knights Templar and and the Crusaders had gone to the Middle East, that they encountered the Sufis, uh, Muslims, and other uh, religious uh, leaders and they learned. Uh, they they learned a lot. It broadened their perspective on uh, 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 on the world and looking at uh, looking at God, the nature of spiritual things.
1: Okay, well that's good, but I mean we're, we traditionally think of them as actually maybe some of the first people to actually start the what we what the Muslims call holy wars. What was the Dights templars job going down there why were they so aggressive and violent and quote defending the faith and what was that about didn't they respect these other leaders or um were they what was going on there
0: well the the, the original the original purpose of the knights templar was to guard a pilgrims to the holy holy land and also to uh, uh provide a way to uh, exchange and transfer uh, currency safely uh, for for people that were traveling between uh, between kingdoms and different parts of uh, of the world and to provide safe houses and uh, and uh, security to be security guards for various people and and so in in this way that they, had managed to become a very powerful organization and to uh, amass a lot of money. So financially, uh, militarily, and uh, politically, and theologically, uh, because they were learning new ideas. And uh, that would be a challenge to the status quo on all these different levels of uh, society. So they in, in a way, they, they represented a threat because they were um, uh, they were uh, uh, just uh, presenting a new way of doing things and looking at things.
1: So they were kind of like the spiritual brinks and they were associated with uh, the uh, various uh, kings as well as the Pope. But It seems eventually they became a threat. Wasn't there some sort of uh, um problem between the pope and the templars
0: oh uh, yeah yes there was and uh, and then uh, uh, a king of france and a and a pope had teamed up together to uh uh they thought they had wiped them all out but they they didn't and that's when they had to go underground and um and so we see uh, the emergence of secret societies and Kind of following
1: that. Oh, I see. So the secret societies were kind of necessary to hide themselves from the, the mundane materialistic uh, um, forces in government and the religions while they were uh, truly attempting spiritual things. So they were just basically guards of uh, pilgrims going to Jerusalem and kind of like the Brinks Bank traveling uh, money and safe houses. But um, I guess Hollywood has kind of uh, given us his version where they're out there, you know, massacring Muslims. But uh, the numbers were quite small. They didn't really have large contingents. Or did the kings support that? And did the kings, you know, try to influence more violence and power grabbing uh that was against the Templars' uh, credo, or well, the 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 um,
0: the, the kings of the uh, the kings of the earth, of course, had their armies, and they had to do the bidding of uh, 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 of the Pope in Rome. And interestingly enough, in the last Crusade, they actually attacked fellow Christians in uh, Constantinople uh, that were um, the the. Um, it was part of Greece back then, not Turkey, but, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you know, now it's Istanbul, but they, uh, actually, uh, besieged, uh, another Christian city. So it was, um, uh, the, the motivations were definitely not, uh, were not, uh, were not the, um, the, the greatest on their part. And, the, but the knights were kind of apart from that. They were, um, um, uh, they were a higher um uh, uh, a higher order and viewed themselves more as servants of the people rather than uh than tyrants to rule over them
1: so why were they attacking them in constantinople what the christians were doing a an aggressive uh land grab or what were they doing um
0: yeah they were uh, um they were um um uh, having some um, uh issues about the the power in the Christian world shifting to Byzantium versus uh versus Rome. Uh so the monetary and political shift um, they were worried about that the Western Europeans so they figured as long as they're as long as they had their army mobilized, they might as well do something to secure their position.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Well, this has been fascinating folks. Uh, uh, I'm going to keep this uh, show to an hour. Um, This may go on a BBS radio station, um, but due to financial uh, considerations right now, I'm unable to afford uh, shows every week. I've gone to weekly and hopefully I can, uh, go back to every week. And we're currently in a long series with Raymond Keller, and I'm hoping that you folks will find this information interesting. And please remember to check out his books. And if you can, uh, you have anyone in any location that can uh, have Raymond come and share his information. Um, as you know, he's a brilliant speaker with a tremendous amount of knowledge uh, and he also has a, a spiritual um, element that he can bring to any conference as a speaker. And uh, he does really well with questions and answers. So uh, please contact me or Raymond. You can go to bbsradio.com to my archive sections. And in every archive section, there's an email contact for Raymond. So um, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, uh, uh, Raymond and thank you all for listening thank you Rob. alright um, folks we're going to sign off here and uh, Raymond and I are going to continue with a, another show that you'll get at some point <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure when when I can get my website together thank you and uh, God bless you all